Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon. This is your host, Dalton Dismore, and this is The Faith Prospect. We are joined here today with Colby Cole. Uh, me and Colby went to Urshan together, and so it's an man. It's an honor to sit here with you, bro. I'm in. I'm. It's my pleasure, really. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm good, man. Just enjoying my day off today. It's Friday, so trying uh, to relax a little bit. Day Work, offs. Yeah, working around the house. Not really a day off, but. You know <laughs> well. So Colby, let's go ahead and dive right in. This is, we're going to go at, at bullet speed today. Uh, circumstances have required it, but tell us about your testimony, man. I know you have an interesting story on how you came to church. Let's, let's get started with that. Yeah. So I think something important to note before I really get into my story is my, is my mom's story. Really? Yes. My mom was a single mom, uh, up until I was probably eight or nine years old, I believe is when. Uh, my stepdad came into the picture, but when I was born, uh, my mom should have never been able to have a child. The doctors told her that she would never be able to be a mother. Um, physically, her body wasn't able to. I'm not entirely sure of all of the circumstances, but the fact that she was even able to give birth to a child was a miracle. Wow. And so when I was being born in the hospital, um, I was born and my collarbone was broken. And Man. during the whole process of um, her labor, um, not to get into gruesome details or anything, but we both almost died. We both really? should have died on the operating table. Really? And now, so just the hand of God was on the whole thing. Were your, were your parents in churches? Or? No, my mom wasn't even in church yet. Really? Yeah. So she had heard about God. She had a grandmother that really prayed for her and was very godly and spiritual and spirit-filled, wow. I believe. Um, but my mom who was never spirit-filled until later in life. Man, so just just your birth was a miracle. Yeah, the fact that I was even born and that we both survived was a miracle in of itself. The doctors were dumbfounded, even how we both survived. Your, and was your grandma, was she praying for, for y'all the entire time? My, my grandmother's, my mom's grandmother was at that point had passed away. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. So, um, but my mom, I remember my mom telling me that she was just praying, um, as much as she could throughout the whole process. And, um, even after I was born, I, I got jaundice really bad. They had to flight evac me, um, to a better hospital from mm -hmm. where we were at. Um, it was just, the hand of God was on the whole thing really from the very beginning. And so, now you you're you're born. That's the the big step into the world. <laughs> so, uh, what when is it that that you really started? What, when was your first encounter with church? My first encounter with church was when I was younger. So my mom and I, while we were in Blyville, Arkansas, we went to a spirit filled church. Okay, they didn't have the whole truth, but they had a lot of the truth. Mm. And so that was my mom's first encounter with a spirit filled church she still at that moment had not yet been spirit filled. So I was probably four, five and six around that area um, mm. is when we were in a spirit filled church. Um, but then my family, we had a family emergency where my grandfather ended up going to prison for some things. And because of that, oh. we actually had to transition our lives out of Blyville, Arkansas. 
where we moved to Cabot. Okay. And that was where we ended up at New Life Cabot, um, Pastor Tim Gaddy's church. Okay. And so um, did you, I mean, were, were you involved in the church from, from that point forward or? So my mom ran into, we, we ran into the church because I was seven or eight years old and they were in a storefront at the time, right next to a dog parlor. Uh. And so it had a poodle logo on the front right next to the church. And I said, mom, 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 we've got to go to that church because they're next to where the dogs are at. <laughs> and so by some happenstance, we ended up walking through the doors of that storefront and my mom got spirit filled with the spirit there. Wow. And at that point we were in church from probably until I was eight, eight and a half. And then for some reason we just left. I don't know all the details. I know my mom was um, feeling some conviction for some things. And um, she had just made the decision to no longer attend mm. New Life Cabot for some time. And then through that process, my mom and my stepdad got married. Okay. And my mom ran into sister Stacy Gaddy on an airplane. Huh. Of all places an to run airplane. into somebody. Yeah. So she was taking a flight somewhere. I'm not even really sure exactly where they were headed. Um, but she ran into her there on the airplane. And then a couple weeks later, ran into her again at the grocery store. And then that Sunday, we ended up going into the church. And um, at that point, we were in church. Mm -hmm. And I got the Holy Ghost when I was 12 and 13 and really served the Lord faithful for maybe a year or so. But I had dealt with some things in my life up to that point. Yeah. Um, dealing with the effects of not knowing your biological father, just the mental battles that you fight, especially as a young man, and the importance and the role that a father plays. Yeah. My dad, who is my stepdad now, I call him dad, he was a wonderful man and was a wonderful father to me. But there's just that feeling that you get inside of yourself. It, and it probably comes from the enemy, and part of it just comes from life when you're just dealing with the questions as why, why did they leave? Was I not good enough? Did they not want me? You struggle with those thoughts. You struggle with those questions. And you always have to, for some reason, we always look back at ourselves as if there's something wrong with us. Yeah. As if we were the mistake or we were the issue. We weren't good enough. We weren't capable of, of making that person love us to, to get them to stay. But in all actuality, it wasn't, it was never me. Mm. And it took God to really help me see that. Um, through a long process of, of repentance and a long process of forgiveness, it took God to help me see that it wasn't my fault. It wasn't my problems. I hadn't done anything wrong, but we still fight that and we yeah. struggle with that. Um, so to really kind of jump into my story, I'm not meaning to jump all over the place, oh, man. but um, I was 17 when God called me into the ministry, but I was not serving the Lord. Really? So you, you weren't serving the Lord, but God called you at 17. Yeah, so from the ages of 14, 15, 16, and up until 17, I was attending church, yeah. but I was not in church. Okay, explain that. I was showing up on Sunday mornings, but on some Sunday mornings, I would have alcohol on my breath. Oh, wow. I got involved with the wrong crowd. I mean, they weren't necessarily bad people. They're not the people that we sometimes associate ourselves with when we think about people that are drinking and partying and doing all these things. Sometimes we always associate that with the wrong crowd. Mm but this was the crowd of students that were making A's. We huh. all got good grades. We were all in the pre-AP classes. We were all heavily involved in extracurricular activities, but we were just being stupid. Uh -huh. and, and that's the thing. I think sometimes we have to, especially if you're a parent and you're listening to this, sometimes your kids may not be hanging out with the wrong crowd, but they're still hanging out with the wrong influences. 
Wow. We have to be careful of the people That's good. that we allow to have influence in our lives. I was, I had the ability to be a good influence, but I chose rather to be influenced. Mm. And so, so because of that, that's what led me into the path of, all right, I'll take a sip of this and all right, I'll, I'll take a, a puff of that. And then next thing you know, you're the one offering someone else the drink or you're the one offering someone else the opportunity to fall into sin. And I had found myself in that place. Oh man. Yeah. That's, that's a bad place to be. Exactly. And, and, I, and you don't ever do it on purpose. And you look at your life and you feel the conviction, you feel the frustration, you feel the desire, especially continually being faithful, if you want to use that word, to church attendance. And so you're hearing the word of God preach and you feel convicted. And so you run to the altar on Sunday mornings and then by Tuesday or Wednesday afternoon, you, you're back to where you were at because it's a heart issue. I wanted to serve the world. And at the end of the day, it's so true what Jesus said, you cannot serve two masters. So what was the tipping point? The tipping point for me was a holiday youth convention. I was ready to go to college to be a musical theater. So I had a full ride scholarship to Oklahoma City University. Um, it wasn't a full musical theater scholarship. I had a couple academic scholarships and things as well. Um, but I did get a large lump sum of money to go attend their uh, musical theater school and that department. Mm. Um, that's what I did throughout high school. I really loved the fine arts and everything. So with that, I decided I was going to go to this holiday youth convention. It was the December of my senior year of high school. I really just kind of went because I was told that there were going to be pretty girls there. And so <laughs> as any 17 year old young man, yeah. you're like, all right, well, I want to be where the pretty girls are at. <laughs> That's what, yep. I've been there. And so I go and little do I know that Court Chavis is going to just be preaching at me every single service. I've been there too. I've actually never had the opportunity to tell him, but it was his message, the power of Pentecost that he preached. Mm. He just talked about being sold out to the truth and that the truth is what's really going to solidify us as different from the world. And we cannot associate ourselves with the things of the world. Mm. And just that desire, the, the true power that is in Pentecostal doctrine, the true power that is Pentecost itself. And I found myself at that altar that night, impacted by the message, but still not ready to turn my life over to God. And so I sat there for a moment and I, I prayed and this is what I said. This is really when it all changed for me. I said, God, if you're real, if this whole thing is real, then this is your, this is, I'm telling you, this is your last chance. So arrogant to pray something like that to God. But thankfully God was graceful enough merciful and merciful enough to come in and send a young girl from our youth group that knew the background that I had mm. that knew I was not doing right and still she came up to me and she said Colby you see Court Chavis up there that's going to be you one day mm. powerful the, the powerful word of faith to look at someone who you know is not doing right and still trust that the Lord had spoken that that's what they were going to be looking at a young 17 year old man at the time addicted to alcohol addicted to all sorts of other things in his life and to be able to say hey you're you're going to be a man of god who preaches the gospel 
And I remember when she said that to me, I felt this hand on the back of my head and as if these invisible arms wrapped themselves around me and I just fell in the altar and I, I weeped and I cried and I prayed for what felt like hours and hours. I ended up walking into the dinner that we had planned for the last night um, in a room in the hotel lobby area, um, probably an hour and a half late just because God had touched my life in that moment. And that was when God called me into the ministry. And that is when everything changed. Did you quit everything right away? I wish I could have said yes. (laughs) But I think we, if, if anyone has ever struggled with sin, sometimes... God will help you and give you the grace and the strength to cut cold turkey. Mm. I mean, there's plenty of stories like that, like the story of evangelist Nick Mahaney, who was really touched by God and just completely had his life changed to the point where he never touched anything again. As for me, it was a process. Sometimes we have to work through the things that we've put ourselves into. And so God made me discipline myself. He didn't just give me the strength to quit cold turkey. And so I sat and I prayed and I dealt with issues in my life. I had to deal with the fact that I was no longer going to be able to hang out with certain people. I had to deal with the fact that I was no longer able to look at some things on the internet that I felt like I had the right to do. I had to give up some of my old identity Mm. to start walking into the identity that God had wanted me to be in. Mm -hmm. And what really made the difference for me was making the decision, I'm going to put away my scholarship to go to this musical theater school. And I decided to come to Urshan College. And again, it just goes to show the things that you surround yourself with will impact where you're going to head and what you're going to be and what you're going to do. Yeah. So at Urshan, uh, you're, you're in this place and, you know, you're surrounded by people who are, you know, ideally they're all, they're all looking towards the same thing you ideally. are. <laughs> you got that. <laughs> ideally. Yeah. Uh, now there's, <clears throat> there's a lot of great people that we went to school with that, and that, um, are, that are looking towards the things that we were looking towards and continue to do. But you know, there's, it's, Urshan's a place where it, it's a school with humans. And mm-hmm. so there's people that, that, there's people that end up going different directions Yeah, and, we went to school with people like that, but you know, the P the, you're, you're in an environment and people are, people are looking towards God. They're, they, they are looking towards the things of God. What, what kind of stuff happened for you there? I think the, the major things that happen, I still remember a couple services that, that really stick to me. The first Vespers or Wednesday night service that I ever went to, um, Kyle Lloyd, um, I think him and his wife, Kenna Lloyd are getting ready to plant a church soon which is really cool. But he preached a message um, talking about the things that we have to kill in our lives early on. And he told a really cool story about a soldier that had Hitler in his sights on his gun one night and decided to let the man go, not knowing that it was going to end up becoming the man who led the Nazi regime. Um, And just talked about when we have something that we, that when we have our enemy in our sights, we have to make sure that we take the shot. We have to make sure that we kill the thing before it comes back and tries to kill us. Yeah. And so I remember that being my first message at Urshan. I was like, all right, God, you're speaking to me. And so- What a message. It, it was the messages and then also the people. I made incredible friends at Urshan College, you being one of them. Um, but my first year, you weren't there yet. Um, my good friend, Kyle Mitchell and Joseph Sinnott, 
um, two men that I'm still friends with now. Um, we coined the term battle buddies. It, they're people that you find in your <laughs> life that you are able to be open with, be honest with, and people that will always pray for you and have your back. Those are the type of people that I found at Urshan College. And those are the people that prayed for me and fasted for me. And I did the same for them. And those are the type of people, if you make friendships, it reminds me of a David and a Jonathan friendship. Mm. People that are willing to sacrifice and do anything just to see the other person better off. And those were the type of influences that I was able to find in my life. And they really helped change me and gave me strength and accountability and sharpened me to be the person that God wanted me to be. Yeah, you, the friendship with you was uh, unexpected. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> um, I, I really, now nah, I have memories of this. I really do. I have memories of, uh, for, to give context to this situation, uh, me and Colby were both interested in the same girl my freshman year. And was that your sophomore year? Yeah. Yeah. So this was, uh, I, I came with credit. So we were, we were both online and on the same, same track. So we graduated together, but I came into school and we were like, oh, we were both looking at the same girl. And so automatically, if you're a guy, you know, it's just like automatic tension. It's competition. Yeah, it's competition. It's tension. Pride. And then it didn't help that we were both like, you know, looking towards the same stuff. So like looking to do the same kind of stuff. And so in ministry in ministry. Life and-, and so everything felt like competition. And um, I don't really know how it got so deep that quick. <laughs> like just, but God, I remember like in the beginning, like just having a, this disdain really. And I, we've talked about this before, and, but underneath it all in moments, I was like, God is going to turn this around and we're going to be best friends <laughs> and I'm going to be mad about it. And I'm not mad about it anymore, <laughs> but, but I'm really, I'm really thankful that you are, that we're friends and that, that you're in my life because you push me, man. Like it's, it's, it's nice to have somebody that, that keeps you on your toes. Yeah. I, I want to, say something kind of about what you had said about the competition aspect. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that, and I think you would agree with me. It's not something that we go looking for Yeah, and not even taking it into the context of fighting for a person. But I think if we're going to start talking about ministry or talking about life, just in general, it's not always something that we go looking for a competition. Yeah. Because if we're all honest with ourselves, we don't want competition Mm -mm. because competition is something that pushes us. It stretches us. But what we can't do is allow competition to create the disdain that it did between us over time. And that's what competition at the root of it really does because it comes from pride. Yeah. Wanting to compete with somebody else. Wanting to be the better person. Wanting to beat them. Yeah. And you cannot beat someone unless you defeat them. Yeah. And that's not what the kingdom of God was ever meant for. Mm -mm. And so I'm thankful now being able to look back that we were able to move past it because there's a lot of times where people aren't able to do so. Mm, And so I want to second that I'm thankful for your friendship because I think it's just a testament again to what God can do when you really just are willing to surrender your own emotions, your own feelings, the things that you're going through and look at what God can really do. And we had to do that. Like, I mean, there was two specific times I can think of and if I'm not mistaken, weren't they both foot washing services? I know for sure one of them I was. I know one of them was. I can't remember the I can't remember for sure about the other one. The other one may have just been a regular service, but it was putting aside our pride and putting aside the fact that you know again, guys know you don't want to go talk. 
You don't go, you don't want to go talk to the person and, and be any kind of vulnerable and, and show your cards. Yeah. But, uh, I think one of the times you did it and I'm pretty sure you did it first. And I think the other time it was me that I had the second time I had yeah. to, because I was still holding on to some stuff, <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, for, for guys listening, man, don't be afraid to do that. You know, conversation is always better than holding on to something. Um, I, th- I think that's so true because if we're honest and not even just as men, as people, it's easy to hold a grudge. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Especially when we feel like we're justified for it mm. because I know what that person did or I know what that person said or I know how that person acted. I know what they are doing behind my back. But I'm just reminded of what Jesus, when he was talking to the disciples. And I feel like, the, I feel like a disciple sometimes where, where Jesus just has to keep telling me over and over again what I'm doing wrong. Um, but the disciples were like, okay, well, what if someone wrongs us? How many times were we supposed to forgive them? Seven. <laughs> He's like, no, seven times 77. And he said on top of that, and maybe the same story or another time, he said, if someone slaps you in the cheek, why don't you just go ahead and turn and let him slap you in the other cheek? Yeah. That's hard. It is. That's, that's not easy to hear, first of all. And it's much more difficult to put into practice mm. because when we're hurt, when we get hurt, hurt people, hurt people. Yep. But that's not whatever Jesus had designed for us to do, especially as brothers and sisters in Christ. The hurt people are supposed to be able to come to the hurt people and find healing together in Jesus. Mm. So we are getting close to the end of our time today. And I know it's a, it was a little short session. It wasn't intended to be, mm-hmm. but, uh, we had a we had a missionary and man he he spoke some wonderful things in here. Um, it was an interview with Dan Scott and y'all hear that. But Colby, as we're uh, closing up, why don't you go ahead and I want you to tell us uh, maybe the biggest moment of faith you've had in God and and what God did during that time to either cause it or through it. Mm-hmm. So the greatest and hardest thing that ever happened to me was when my wife now broke up with me. So when we broke up, I, at that point, emotionally, I mean, is again, it sounds so dramatic, (laughs) but if you've ever been broken up with, you know how it feels. You feel like you have absolutely nothing left. Mm. And so I isolated myself away from every distraction. I isolated myself away from everything that would hinder me. And I really just sought after God truly for the first moment since my freshman year aversion college. And it was that summer where I had a really powerful moment with God. Um, to make the long story short, I was driving, um, and I was on a delivery for Chick-fil-A and I ran into the back of this minivan. Mm. I'd been praying and asking God for opportunities to be used. I was not praying and asking for God to allow me to hit the back of a minivan, (laughs) but God really moved in that moment. I remember the I ran, I smashed into the back. I was going 55, maybe 60. I tried to swerve out of the way. I got a large gash on my left arm. I remember the smoke everywhere and I, I couldn't see. I was, I felt hazy and dizzy. And I look over and I see the doors of the van open up and the two kids in the back are just screaming and crying. And thankfully they were okay. 
Still, that's, I, that's scary for you. Yeah, absolutely. Terrifying. My first wreck ever. Yeah. And so then I see the mom in the, in the driver's seat. She is wailing and crying and just trying to make sure everything's okay. And then I somehow stumbled over making sure I still have my phone. And I opened up the passenger door of the minivan and there is an elderly lady and she's already on oxygen and Mm. her head is tilted over to the side and she is not breathing. No. And everyone is screaming and crying. I call 911. They say not to do anything, not to touch her or anything. And she starts to seize and shake and she's dying. She's dying. And I said, ma'am, I don't, it's so funny to look back on it now that I was talking to this woman as she was dying. I said, ma'am, I don't know if you believe in God or not. I said, but I'm going to lay my hand on you and I'm going to pray for you. God's going to heal you. So I grabbed her wrist, Dalton. I remember it just shaking. And I said, by the authority that is in the word of God and the power that's in the name of Jesus Christ, I bind death and I speak life into your body. Mm. And that's the last thing I said in English. I started speaking in tongues. I didn't know what else to do. 30 seconds later, that woman's head pops up straight and she starts speaking in tongues, being filled with the spirit. Wow. They ended up driving her to the hospital, but she was fine. She did not die. They ended up, I think if I remember correctly from talking to um, her son on the phone, they took her home, I think that next day. That's amazing. And so I, I would love to say that she ended up coming to church and all that jazz. I don't know where she's at right now, but for me, that was when God opened up my eyes to the things that he was able to do through someone. And no matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, doesn't matter how awful it looks, doesn't matter how scary it feels. If you're able to surrender yourself as a living sacrifice, being willing to step out in faith when you don't always feel the faith, when it's, it's not the emotion, when you rely on God, when you have nothing else, that's when you see the greatest miracles. Mm. It is at the edge of our greatest cliffs, our greatest trials and our greatest tragedies that will have our greatest miracles, our greatest victories and our greatest breakthroughs. Wow. What would you say um, to maybe some of our younger listeners who, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to start out and get where, get where you are um, in ministry and you know, they don't know what to do. Yeah. Young men and young ladies, be a thermostat and not a thermometer. I'll never forget when a man of God said that behind the pulpit. It took me a second to really recognize what he said. Don't be the type of person when you walk into the room, you adjust yourself according to the room's standards. Hmm. But when you walk into the room, change the temperature of it because of who you are. Work on your character. Pray when no one else will pray. Fast when no one else is fasting. Read your Bible when no one else is reading your Bi- reading their Bibles. And just surrender yourself to God and to the process. Mm. It may not always be comfortable. It may not always be fun. But I promise you that God is always with you. He's not leaving you lonely. He's not leaving you by yourself. And he wants to see you do great things for him more than you desire to do them. Mm. And if anyone needs confirmation, Colby, what he just said, he, he lives it because 
he lived it at school and uh, I know he lives it where he's at right now because there were times where he would seem a little uh, weaker than the rest of us. And it was because, and I don't want to, you know, I, I'm, I know you don't do anything for glory, but you know, he was on a 20, 21 day fast and <laughs> no one else knew, but we're out here. We're out here in school, just going around, going around our, about our business and he's here fasting. So he lives it. And I want to thank you for coming, Colby. I want to thank Absolutely. you for, for giving your time uh, to us today. Thank you, Dalton. I appreciate it. Yeah. If you don't mind, can I feel the Holy Ghost right now? Pray. Is it okay if we just pray? Yeah, pray. Lord Jesus, I don't know who's listening right now. God, but they're feeling alone. They're feeling distraught. God, I'm asking right now that you would increase their faith. Lord, help them to surrender to the process. God, it doesn't matter what anyone else has said. It does not matter what anyone else has done. Lord, they are not defined by the things that they go through, but they are defined by who you call them to be. Lord, and right now you're speaking over young men and young women. Lord, you're speaking over maybe a grown man right now. Lord, and you are telling that person that they are a child of God that they are still called, they are still chosen, they can still be used. You still have a purpose and a plan for their life. And Lord, I'm asking right now that you would just solidify that to them. Lord, speak to them. Lord, open up their ears to be sensitive to your voice and lead and guide us through your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Colby. Hopefully, hopefully we get to do this again. I think Absolutely. we will. I, I think love we it. will, man. All right. Until next time, we'll see All you. Right.